1994 in South Africa, there was a new government that just started because there was a lot of racism there. And this, the stuff that happened to the people was just awful. What they did to form some sense of justice was to form a Truth and Justice Commission. Nelson Mandela was the new president, and people would come forward and they'd try to figure out what was going to be a just, what would be just for this particular evil that happened against them or against another person. And there's this one story that's really touching. is actually from uh, a black lady who was a widow. And there was a white racist police officer who killed her son and her husband on two separate occasions. But he killed them in the exact same way. He burned them both to death. So when they came forward with her case and the white police officer was there, he was completely impenitent, no remorse, completely indifferent. And the black widow came forward and they asked her, what do you think would be just in this situation? Again, she looked at the white police officer, completely impenitent, not remorseful at all, indifferent. And she looked at him and she said, you have taken everything from me. You killed my son. You killed my husband. But I have nothing but love in my heart. So I want you to be my son. And I want you to come visit me. This is the difference the gospel makes. This is what happens when we have a conversion where we have an encounter with the living God and things that don't make sense, debts that are, are paid, um, like there's no way of paying it back, but the only thing I can do is there's got to be a sacrifice of love that wills the good of the other. St. Thomas Aquinas says, willing the good of the other as other. I have nothing I expect in return. Now, I don't know if that woman who is a widow, if that police officer ever went back and visited her, but that she said she had so much love in her heart and that's what Jesus talks about in our gospel. He says that last line is just like one of those lines that just, just really grinds at the, at the core of what it means to be a Christian. He says, unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart, my father in heaven will, he said the same thing. Like he says, the master hand him over to torturers. I will hand you over to the torturers, but it, does, it doesn't have to be that way. Maybe you can put yourself in the, in the, in the footsteps of that, that white police officer. Maybe you're like, I've done some things, but I'm numb. I'm indifferent, I'm impenitent. But when someone does something for you that you don't even deserve, you don't even, like there's no way that you, you could even pay them back for what you did. Like love does strange things. So right now we're in a, in a three-part series, right? So we're, we're looking at embracing conflict. Something that a lot of us don't like to do. We, we hate entering into conflict, so we don't want to do that. But we have to like remember that we're, we're called to be different. If I say I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus, my life is different. And the scriptures give us ways to do that. So last week we looked at, looked at the how and the why. Like, how do we do that? We, we, we looked at just very simple things. Looking at, okay, this person has sinned against me. Someone I know, a brother or a sister in the Lord. Someone I actually know. It's not some Joe Blow off the street 
or someone I only known for a week, someone I know, and they've sinned against me. And Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go tell him your fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. You have gained someone for the kingdom of God. And that sounds so easy, but it's so hard to do to go straight to a person and, and tell them their fault. But then when we're with them, we looked at St. John Vianney and he, he talks about always accuse self before accusing others. Do I have any fault in this? Do I have any fault in this? And just asking those questions is what I'm going to say here. Is it helpful or is it hurtful? Knowing well, as we talked about last week, I'm not any better than this person. We're both made in the image and license of God. We're both temples of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm with someone, I, I, I revere them. I actually have a reverence for who they are. But then also, St. Paul pushes us a little bit further this week. He says, none of us lives for ourselves. And that's what, what, what entering, embracing conflict, it helps us to see the bigger picture, to see that there's so much more. And just even looking at our first reading, and even St. Paul, it said, remember your death. Like what we're called to do is live without regret. And that's an invitation from the Holy Spirit always. I can remember when I was on retreat this past October, sometimes when you spend time in silence, all of your stuff just comes up to the surface. And I've been doing 12-step um, work with the men at the Newman Center, and they're, they're talking about, you know, righting wrongs, righting wrongs, and, and going back and living without regret. And I remember that some of the things I did when I was a kid, I was really ashamed of. And one thing I would do is I would steal money from my parents. Mom and dad would go to bed, and I'd get up, and I would just take 20s, 50s, 100s out of their wallet. And I just remember, like, they didn't know that I did that. I pulled something out of that. So I remember I just, I, on that retreat, I, I wrote a letter to my parents telling them how sorry I was. I embraced the conflict. I, I dealt with my sin. I dealt with my debt that I owed them. And I put some cash in that. And, and when, when they read it, like, my mom wept. She's like, you did that to us? How could you do that to us? And they forgave me. But they were also proud of me that I, I, I finally lived up to the standard the Lord is calling me to. Because I, I didn't want to live with regret. And nor should you. So when we look at entering in, in and embracing conflict, one thing we have to do, like one of the first steps is, is, is defining your terms. Peter is so much like you and I when he comes before the Lord. I always say Peter has foot and mouth disease. He's always doing something good. Then it's like, why did you say that, you dummy, right? But we're all that way too. Look at Peter. Um, he, like, he's doing so well. He's walking on water. But then he gets confused by a storm and he starts sinking, right? Um, just a couple weeks ago, was doing great. Just said, Lord, you are the, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And then he starts pulling Jesus aside and telling Jesus what to do. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because you're trying to get ahead of me. You're not thinking as God does. You're thinking as man does, right? And at one point when, when Jesus is in his passion, Peter is literally just like falling further and further behind when he should be with his best friend. And aren't we all that way sometimes too? So Peter today, he comes to Jesus after that, what we heard last week. Just like, uh, like so, okay, Jesus, buddy, old pal, um, how many times should I actually forgive this person if they've sinned against me? Which I think is a very legit question. And he's like, okay, I got this. Jesus is holy. 
Seven is a number of fulfillment. We have seven sacraments, seven days a week of fulfillment. We got, okay, sweet, seven. So should I forgive my brother seven times? Like, I, I can do that, right, right, seven times? And Jesus says, no. Not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. She's just teaching him how to forgive without, without count, counting. And in that forgiveness, when we define the term of forgiveness, often I find it easier to find out what forgiveness is not rather than looking at what forgiveness is. Like forgiveness is not saying, I'm, I'm okay with what you did to me. Forgiveness is not even saying, I'm okay with what I did to you. Forgiveness is also not excusing what the other person did or what you did. Because sometimes we know what's right, we just don't do it. Sin is, sin is a power, and it, it confuses us, and it makes us do things we don't even want to do. But forgiveness, in the sense of who Jesus is, it's, 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 something, it's, it's something that's hard for us to do because we don't do it so often. Forgiveness is a choice in the heart. Even knowing that I have emotions that are going crazy, of anger, of resentment, of just not good thoughts. I have wounds from all this. What I'm doing is I'm forgiving them in Jesus. I'm giving, I'm giving all this pain, all this agony over to Jesus. I'm letting it go and I'm forgiving them at the cross and I'm leaving it there. So when you and I are, are entering into conflicts, like sometimes we have to remember, as we said last week, like sometimes you're wrong. You're the one who's going to someone and saying, hey, um, do, you have, do you have a few minutes? I just want to make sure I saw this right or I heard this right. Just taking that humble route as we talked about last week. But then it's like, we have to remember that I could be wrong here. And then I have to admit the fault. I have to admit the fault. And that takes humility. That takes patience. It takes a heck of a lot of grace to do that. Like when, when you're asked, are you wrong about this? Like often, like, no, I'm not. I'm not wrong. But sometimes we are, right? Like that, that police officer that I mentioned earlier, he was wrong and he was indifferent. He was stonewalling, right? So he was not showing anything. He had all the armor up. But I kind of wonder how he felt when that woman said those things. But she said, I have so much love in my heart. And I want you to be my son. And I want you to come visit me. Like that's forgiveness from the heart. And what happens is when we, when we don't forgive, it's so destructive to the heart. And a lot of us, we have uh, resentment, we have, we have grudges, we hold against others. And I always look to the saints. We talked about last week, we have to look at the lives of the saints, look at the scriptures. St. Augustine, he always said, if you hold a grudge against somebody, you're always holding a bottle of poison in your hand. And you want the other person to suffer, but when you don't forgive, when you don't let it go, you drink the poison and you remain soul sick. So if we come to, to mass and we come here to be formed, like the Lord, he wants to lift us up and think about what St. Paul says, like none of us lives for ourselves. That means we actually look at the bigger picture. So often we get stuck looking at the tree, but often what the Lord's saying is take a step back for a second. Let's look at the big picture. Like if you're, if you're going to die, right, living with your death before you, trying to live without regret, let's look at the big picture. Because so often what happens is, is, is we hold like rocks in our backpack. We have this heaviness on us and it's just weighing us down. You can hear that in the, in the reading. He's, he's weighed down by the debt that he can't pay, right? And often what we do is when, when we don't, 
We don't let those things go. We just, we just throw that into the pond of poison and it sends ripple effects throughout the whole community. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus invites us always to new life. And sometimes we think, I'm too far gone. There's no way that if I, if I started the process of embracing conflict and, and, and mending my ways, that it would, be, it would get better. But that's, that's the evil in speaking to you. The Lord is always encouraging us. And as that, that, that woman, as she was forgiving, she knew something that is so important for us to know is who is the real enemy here? Like the enemy was, was not a race. It was not a gender. It was not a political party. The enemy is the enemy, right? And she saw, saw straight through all of his plans. And the one thing the devil can't handle is, is, is mercy, and humility, and love. And for it to be love, it's always got to be sacrificial. It's always got to cost you something. For a lot of us, it costs us our pride, right? And the Lord, he speaks to us in these simple ways. But the thing is, once you're forgiven, once a debt has been paid, and he uses the word huge debt, and so often I I struggle, because again, we're going to define terms, right? Like, it's a talent, if you know what a talent is, like a talent is, uh, it's a thousand, a thousand days wages, right? So one talent is a thousand day wages. So what's said in the original Greek here is it's, it's 60,000 days wages was a debt he owed. Like can you, I don't know if you've ever been in like financial stress, um, but that's, that's such a burden. I remember being in college and just really struggling with that being, I wasn't really good with my money. Um, fell into a lot of traps. But this debt he couldn't pay. So the king forgives his debt, something he can't pay back. There's no way he can pay. He even says, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But the thing is, he couldn't. And that's the whole purpose. But then what he expects once that happens is for him to go do the same for others. Because God's so good to me, even when I don't deserve it, then I'm going to be good to others. But he doesn't. It says he refused. He refused to cooperate with God's grace. The question is, like, why is that? I would say it's something because it's, it's because he forgot to slow down. Last week, we also talked about the importance of slowing down, just taking deep breaths, slowing things down, dictating your words clearly. And so often we just move so fast. It's another thing how we know it's the Lord or it's the evil one is there's never a rush with the Lord. Which is why next week we're going to end by looking at patience. Like, what is Patience. When the Lord is on the cross, all, of it, all the, the sins, the debt, so to speak, was placed on him out of love for you. It cost him everything. And the thing is, he didn't have to pay it. He didn't have to pay it. But he chose to. He made a decision out of love for you so then you would go do the same for others. It's that personal. It's that real. But if it costs him everything, it has to cost us at least something. What would have you have done if maybe one of your siblings or one of your family members was, was burned alive? 
Like, what would the poison do there by just holding a grudge and, and, and asking him? But what we, what we believe as Catholic Christians is we always want to give person, the person an opportunity for forgiveness, to repent, to change your life, to have a, a metanoia, a change of mind and heart, a complete 180 in their life. That's why we don't support the death penalty. Because you can't get a good from an evil. It's, it's not how we do things. And when we hear these stories, it changes the way people see the world. So the invitation this week is very simple. Start thinking bigger. Like, widen your horizon and start looking at the big picture. And think about how you can affect generations. When the saints were going through their lives, they wanted to affect thousands and thousands of years of people. It wasn't just right now. And all of us have a sphere of influence, do we not? Last week we talked about how there's at least one person who looks up to you. At least one person. And if you don't think so, you're listening to the wrong, the wrong person. When you know that you have an influence, what we want to do is have ripples of mercy in the pond of our lives. So people know the truth. They know what is good. And they know that there's always a second, third, infinite chance. So when people meet us, as I said last week, they'll understand what Jesus is actually like. They'll understand what Jesus is actually like. But that means you have a choice. The Lord gives us free will. We're going to pray the Our Father in just a moment. We pray every single time, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Those are not easy words to say if you really meditate upon them. Some translations say, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as those who have transgressed against us. Because God forgives us, we're called to forgive others. It's like when we make the sign of peace at Mass, saying, I have no, I have, I have no grievances against you. I forgive you for what you've done to me. I ask for your mercy. It's, it's not just this, this peace from like 1970s. It's not what we're talking about. This is shalom peace. This is heavenly peace. And if I ask you to raise your hands, I'm not going to, but who in here would want more peace in their lives? I think all of us would raise our hands, right? Mitch, you're going for it. Good for you. Not afraid. That's what the Lord affords us. But again, it's always an invitation so there's probably something that the Holy Spirit stirred in your heart tonight to work on this week, to be not afraid, to enter into the conflict, to embrace the conflict. But looking at the big picture, and one way of, of, of just making that very real is always calling upon the Holy Spirit. One thing we have to remember is that the, the Father's mission is done. God the Father, he sent his son. Jesus' mission is done because he conquered sin and death on the cross. He conquered Satan. He conquered hell. He rose. He ascended to the Father. But what he wanted to give us was the Holy Spirit. Why is that so important? I just spoke about Peter. 
I find so much in common with Peter. I feel like I'm Peter's like second cousin sometimes. I'm like, dude, like you and me, like we're sort of on the same page here. You look at the you look at the gospels and I'm like, that is my life. I'm always so close, but then I fall. But was it what was the difference with Peter? Look past the gospels, you can ask the apostles, and he receives the Holy Spirit and watch out. He's a new man. He's a changed man. He's He's baptizing 3,000 people in a day. He's, un, he's not afraid of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's a man on mission because he wants people to know this love, this, this forgiveness. And he wanted everyone to know it without any questions asked, without any regret, because he dealt with the death of Jesus. He dealt with his own death, and now his life was no longer his own. St. Peter is going to be our patron this whole year. He's going to adopt us. He's going to watch over us. He's going to teach us what it looks like to have life without the Holy Spirit and what it looks to have life filled with the Holy Spirit. St. Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we just pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. So come, Holy Spirit, and fall upon us. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to forgive. and Teach us how to have courage to enter into conflict, to embrace conflict. And help us to learn how to forgive, not just with words, but from our heart. Make all these prayers in Jesus' name.